Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. We are going to dive right on in. We're on week three. How many of you still need some notes for this evening? A couple people. Kelly, you want to help me out with that? Thank you, ma'am. Awesome. You know, I wanted to, um, while I was getting ready today, um, I was getting, I have a binder with all the teachings in it. And I just want to encourage you guys, especially if you've been here the whole time and you plan on being here. I'm a nerd, but the nerd in me, it helps me. Am I growing in Christ? And so um, I like to put these in notebooks or, or binders or folders. And so I would encourage you, grab a folder, hole punch it. If you, need us, if you need us to hole punch it for you, let us know. We'll hole punch it. But put it all, all of the seeing and savoring in one binder, and that way you can go back and refer to it. I've got teachings and stuff from 10, 15 years ago, and all i got to do is go find that binder or that folder and pull it out because the Lord will bring this stuff to your remembrance. And you'll be like, wait, wait, what was that scripture? What was that quote? And so I hope you bind this all together. If you need the notes from other weeks, just see us in the office. We do have extra for you. So tonight, again, seeing and savoring Jesus, we want to start out with asking ourselves the question, why is it crucial for you and I to see and savor Jesus? And, and, and seeing and savor him, savoring him, there's a huge difference between the law and love. There's a huge difference between religion and and salvation. There's a huge difference. And so why is it so crucial for you and I to see Christ and to savor him? That means to enjoy him, to, to passionately love and desire him. And um, I love this quote by John Piper, and it might stir a couple of um, people up, but it says, a person who has no taste for the enjoyment of Christ will not go to heaven. And the reality of that is because, because going to heaven requires what? It requires salvation. It requires a revelation of who he is and what he's done for us. And how can we not, as Pastor Grace was saying, you know, she's in worship and, and she finds herself right at the, at, the, at the foot, right at the throng of the, of the, the doorpost of his, the inner courts of the Holy of Holies. And he, she begins having the deeper revelation of who he is and the price that he paid for her. How else could we not fall in love with him? And so that's what salvation is, the reality, the revelation of what the cross and the resurrection has done for our lives. And I don't know about you, but that's meeting love. That's meeting the very, the very definition of love itself. And so if I'm meeting love, how could I not love back? And so I have to agree with that statement. If you have no taste for the enjoyment of Christ, maybe you're not going to be in that place. So, you know, so that's why I have a really hard time with religious people. And you'll hear me from time to time say, I just need to see Jesus. I don't even see Jesus in this conversation. And, you know, and that's the beauty of whatever it was that God just downloaded during, during that transition time of how he wanted to heal someone's heart that, you know, you love Jesus with all of your heart, precious, love Jesus. 
not you, precious, but preciously loving Jesus. And we can't love him with all of our heart yet hate our neighbor. They'll know us by our love. And so that's part of it is, is, is when religion becomes relationship with Christ, becomes relationship, we can no longer live in the flesh. We can no longer just go about mechanically doing the right thing because he begins to challenge our very thought life, our actions, our, the things that we desire, the things that we care for, and how we choose to interact with other people. Those things begin to be affected by our love for him. 1 Corinthians 16.22 said, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Oh, Lord, come. Matthew 10.37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And that's a tough statement. That's a tough statement for mamas and daddies and, and, and um, grandmas. It's a tough one. But when we taste of his goodness, we taste of who he is, we understand it. We understand it. We begin to get a greater glimpse of his love for us and what he's done for us. And in 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 God giving his son Jesus to die a horrible death, we begin to understand his love more through the love relationships here on the earth. I have a greater understanding of the love of God because of the way Zach loves me. I have a greater understanding of God's heart because of the love he's given me to be able to love my daughter, be able to receive the love from my parents. And so that statement is so, so true. First Peter 1 8, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice, how? With joy inexpressible and full of glory. When we begin to have that taste for ourselves of experiencing him, of him coming to life, we can't help but have joy inexpressible. You know, I have a, I have a great family, great extended family, and my younger sister-in-law, Heather, so she married my brother, so there were two Heather Moores for about 10 years of their marriage. So I was Aunt Heather, she was little Heather. And um, precious, precious girl, and she also grew up Catholic, and she, for a long time, and this is back in my Baptist days, remember I was Catholic, kind of drug dealer, got born again, ended up at a Baptist church, now I'm here, whatever that means. So this is back in my Baptist days, and maybe transitioning, and um, into Pentecostal life, but she um, didn't agree with the other doctrines yet. She was still walking a Catholic walk. And um, as her and my brother read the Bible and read the Bible, she began to realize, wait, I can't walk the same walk. I've got to, what I'm living isn't what's in the Bible, and if I love Jesus the way I say, things have got to change. So they started going to a Baptist church, and different things are happening. Oh, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now I remember and I'm just preaching Christ, and I'm, and I'm um, sharing with them all that I've been experiencing in the Lord and all the things that God's been doing. And she's like, Heather, that's weird. You, you better watch yourself. You're going off the deep end. But I kept telling her this is real. It's the reality of Christ in our everyday lives. So long story short, she's taking a bath one day. She's just taking a bath, bubble bath. She's just chilling. She's got two young ones under two. She just wanted a break. And she's crying out to God, and she's like, I can't take anymore. I don't care what it is, what's going on in me. I just need you. Whatever it is, just get rid of it. 
and she found herself slain in the spirit in the bathtub. <laughs> but what happened was, there, and, and it was totally safe. If it's Jesus, she's not going to die. Come on. <laughs> Just like if you fall out and don't get caught and it's really Jesus, you're going to be okay. But the precious thing was she couldn't wait to call me. And not only call me later that night, but she talked about it for weeks and months on end. Why? Because she tasted for herself. It wasn't somebody else's story. It was her story. Jesus came. Nobody else laid hands on her. It was her personal encounter with Christ. And she couldn't help but have joy inexpressible. Joy inexpressible from the inside out. And that's why we have got to taste for ourselves. You couldn't, you couldn't push her with all your might and get her out of the presence of God these days. She's experienced for herself. Piper also says, loving Jesus, not just deciding for him or being committed to him or affirming all the right doctrines about him. It's not just about that. It's not about knowing the right things. It's not about being able to say the right things. A lot of people grow up in Christianese. You know what that is? That means you can talk the talk. But talking the talk doesn't always equal walking the walk. You know, when I got born again and ended up in the body of Christ and just plunged right in, I, you know, I grew up in the Catholic world, different lingo, lingo really nothing like Christianese. And then I ended up in the world forever, right? What I felt like for us forever. And now in the middle of the body of Christ, I didn't speak Christianese, act Christianese, fake Christianese in any way, shape, or form. So I stuck out like a sore thumb. But the reality was you could see Christ on the inside by the joy inexpressible, by, by the change, by the, by the light shining from within. So it's not, we cannot just go off of, well, I know the right thing. I say the right thing. It's got to become that lifestyle, those actions. Nobody's perfect, but it's the life of Christ emulating out of our bellies. Amen? First, there is love, and then there is effect. We first want to introduce people to Jesus. You know, one of the things that I've always said, and, um, you know, Zach referenced, I think, on Sunday about this woman that, um, or young girl, she's 19 years old, that was a stripper, and she came to Beyond the Grave in New Orleans. She was a stripper. She was a prostitute. She was hooked on drugs, and um, she came in, and, you know, people wanted to clean her up right away, and it was like, I was a linebacker. You ain't touching her. Because I don't want you to tell her rules and religion. I want her to meet Jesus. I had this other girl that grew up in the church, and she was wild. And everybody knew it. And all of a sudden, she starts coming to church. She's interested in Jesus. And she's worshiping. She's doing all these things. Problem was, with all of our leaders, is that this girl, let's say she would sit right here in the front row, and she'd wear short shorts to church every week. And she'd be in there worshiping, and she'd come up to the altar worshiping, and all of our leaders would stop worshiping and go, oh, my God, can you see that? Pastor Heather better do something about it. Oh, I'm going to go tell Pastor so-and-so about that. And so they'd come running to me during the mid after worship in my law from, did you see her? Can you believe she's sitting on the front row in that? Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, stop it. I'm just happy she's in the doors. I'm just happy if I go tell her, why are you wearing those shirts? Don't you know that's not sanctified? You put something longer on. That's rules. I want her to fall in love with Jesus. I want her to be introduced to Jesus. So I'm not going to give somebody rules. I'm going to take them on the journey of let's meet my Savior. Let's meet the one that loves you so much. He doesn't want you flaunting all your stuff for the whole world to see. 
He wants you to be a prize, a present to be opened one day. When that happens, you're not going to have to tell someone how to dress because they're going to know. They're going to have self-worth from the King of Kings. Amen? <coughs> John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We stop doing the ugly and start doing the good when we fall in love with Jesus. When we find ourselves in the place of no longer wanting and desiring the things of God, we have to stop. We have to begin turning things off and ask Jesus for more. Ask him for more. He gives us that ability by opening our eyes. That's that verse in 1 Corinthians we read last week, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6, that the minds of the God of this age has blinded those who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of the Christ, who is the image of God. Our eyes are blinded to things until Christ comes in. It's only him that can lighten and, and give us the light of the gospel in our hearts. When we lack it, we have to ask for more. What is faith? <clears throat> I love the shortest verse ever. It says what? The disciples cried out, Lord, increase our faith lord increase increase it's not the shortest it's one of the shortest increase our faith i find myself even today praying lord i don't i i wow that's beyond what i've experienced that's beyond where i'm at that's beyond the reality of the of the heavens that i've been in wow i need you to expand my faith i need i need an increase i need your faith to be able to go forward in this. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. There's nothing wrong with saying this is way beyond me. The very first year that they gave me Beyond the Grave, um, which, are y'all getting a picture of what Beyond the Grave was? Beyond, Beyond the Grave was this multimedia production. We ran it from September to May every year, and we started in June getting ready for September. And it took every week, hours upon hours, hundreds of volunteers to get all this together. It was massive production, and you'd have anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 people every month watching it. Anywhere from three to, say, 600 people accept Christ every month. It was massive. And I remember when I went on staff, the first year that it was happening, while I was on staff, I remember thinking, oh, I'm so glad that's not me. I could never do that. And the first year that they gave it to me, I was like, they must not know who I am because I cannot do that. And I remember bawling and crying out to God, I need your help. Give me, I don't even have the faith to believe that I can do it. And, and the awesome thing was that he, God, gave, God had Zach as my sidekick and we did it together. And where I lacked, he had the skills. And where he lacked, I had the skills and it just worked. But we have to begin to realize it doesn't matter if we don't have the ability today. He can increase that. He can give that to us. John 6.35 says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. How many of you know you have to have faith to believe that? He who believes in me will never thirst. He who comes to me will never hunger. Hebrews 11.6 but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's go on and then we'll expound on that. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
Church, we have to begin to understand our salvation truly is a gift. You and I do not have it in our beings to be good enough to even have the thought that I might need Christ. To even have the thought that there's something greater than I've experienced. It is a gift of God. He puts the desire in us. He draws us out of that pit. He chooses us. There's no good in us. It is a gift of God that the faith is deposited for we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's read this quote by Piper. Faith is essential in the human heart if we're to glorify God. God is shown to be glorious when we trust him, especially in our suffering. How many of you know it's really good to, easy to trust God when you're on cloud nine? It's really easy to trust God when the check comes in the mail, everything's going just right, your car's running all well. Woohoo! The check ba book balance looks good. But as soon as it gets rocky, is really when the test of our faith begins to show what is in us, what's on the inside. Faith is seeing and savoring the glory of God in Christ crucified, risen, and reigning for the good of his people. The savoring means receiving in Christ the superior satisfaction of his promises based on his finished work of atonement. Faith is the soul's embrace of all that God is and promises to be for us in Christ. It honors God by being confident that God will keep his promises to those who set their hope on him. Love this line. Thus, faith is future-oriented while resting firmly on the past work of Christ on the cross and in the resurrection. It's not blind. Faith is understanding and believing on what Christ has offered you and I. That's why it's so important that you and I know our Bible. So important that we're in the Word. We have it inside of us. So important that we know Jesus for ourselves because when, excuse the phrase, but hell and high waters come, what do we have our trust in? I can trust that in the storms of life and the rocky times that come, what right now may look a little bit mm, shady, but I know in whom I've believed. I know the work at the cross. I know what he's providing for me. I know his character. So I can laugh at the days to come. I can look at the future and say, ha, 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 ha. I know the one who's on the throne. And I know he's making intercession for me. And I know he can't wait for the day for me to walk in victory of this. That's faith. It's not being blindly stupid. It's not. But it's knowing in whom you've believed, knowing what he offers, knowing it, and then beginning to walk in it and believe and wait, resting assured that he is faithful and true, that what he began in us, he's faithful to complete in us. It's about him. It's not about you and me. We think it is because it's our life. But our lives are a display of his handiwork, really about him. What does it mean to trust in Jesus? Until the gospel events of Good Friday and Easter and the gospel promises of justification and eternal life lead you to behold and embrace God himself as your highest joy, you have not embraced the gospel of God. Piper says, so, I mean, these are hard phrases for modern-day church to get. But the reality of it is there's nothing greater anyone can ever give me. Look, I have the best husband in the world. Oh, my word. And my daughter is absolutely perfect in every way. 
But neither one of them can ever compare to the goodness of the gospel. Neither one of them will ever give me salvation. Neither one of them will ever provide the very sustenance that I need. You have embraced some of his gifts. You've rejoiced over some of his rewards. You've marveled at some of his miracles. But you've not yet been awakened to why the gifts, why the rewards and the miracles have come. They have come for one great reason, that you might behold forever the glory of God in Christ. And by beholding, becoming the kind of person who delights in God above all all things and by be delighting display by delighting display his supreme beauty and worth with an ever increasing brightness and bliss forever in other words the more that I begin to delight in him, the more that I begin to see him in all things I begin to see truly my husband as a gift as a gift for the glory of God, that I begin to see that in him. I begin to see God's handiwork of taking us all the way across the country, that I begin to see even the beauty of his handiwork for making me this tall, awkward basketball player to be able to go off and do all these random things and all of a sudden begin to find the, the glory and the beauty of Christ and going run and going shoot hoops. You know, PX90 is pretty cool. And I, doing all these moves, it's like I'm in basketball all over again in preseason training and I'm like, whoo, but the funny thing is, is seeing the glory of God in it. Being able to see the glory of God in shooting hoops. You can't do that but by the gospel, but by faith in Christ and who he is and understanding that even the way he created us to move and created those things, those desires and passions within us, that that in and of itself brings him delight and brings him glory. Because as I'm doing it, I'm seeing, oh my goodness, I, how he created us and the things that, and all the muscles and the tendons and the things that have to happen to be able to let me move in this way. Why? Just so I can have all these things released within my body to be able to have like a type of physical ecstasy from exercise and all of a sudden it brings me right into the throne room if you don't have the gospel in your belly and you hear that you're gonna think I'm nuts but we begin to find because why because we understand that it all begins to rule and reign in him that it all makes absolute perfect sense we see that Christ, his knowledge, and his wisdom surpass all of our understanding. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? <laughs> but you and I have the mind of Christ. We're talking about trusting Jesus. There will be some things that you and I will not ever be able to explain in this lifetime. We won't know until we cross over to the other side. But when we begin to take hold and realize that, that not even one who's ever lived can go and counsel Christ. Not one. We begin to, to back off of the why and the how and, and I don't get it. And just begin to say, you know what? Your knowledge, your wisdom, you have infinite knowledge. You know all things from before time began. You completely understand it all. You formed our innermost being. You understand the very makeup and the diversities of all that's within. So how dare I counsel you? You know, anybody ever prayed the prayer and began to tell him how he should fix things? 
Jesus knows all that is in man. John 2, 24 and 25 says, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. I find great comfort in knowing that and knowing that because he knows every dark thing about me, every good thing about me. He still chose me, still loved me, still chooses to use me. But also because he knows everything about every person I've ever encountered in my life. And if he's all-powerful and all-knowing, then that means that he's still allowed me to cross paths with that person, knowing everything in him, knowing everything in me, still allowed paths to cross, and still allowed the events to happen. See, we get so caught up in, in the who's and the what's of the world that we forget who sits on the throne and how all-knowing he really is. How else you think when we stand up here, as pastor says all the time, we can hear your thoughts. Because Christ knows what's in a man. And we get this conduit thing where we're going and it's coming this way and it's going this and, you know, this. And it's so weird. But because Christ knows all. So we can find comfort in it. We can find comfort then whenever things begin to happen in, in, in our loved ones' lives and, and there's friction and it's almost like walls are up. Whether it's sickness and medical and mental. Come on. Or it's emotional with spouses or whatnot. We can begin to find comfort because we know that God knows what's in a man. God gets what's happening inside of them. He's not confused by it. He's not stumped by it. He gets all of it. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Matthew 9, 4 says, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? That's one of the most precarious things about Christ. Because he knows it all. You ever been in a situation with someone and you felt like it was God leading you to do a particular thing with them, but you were like, I know you don't deserve this because I know what's going on inside. Is it just me? But on the back side of it, when I begin to get my heart right with God, and he reminds me that he even knows when it's in the heart of a man, yet he still chose to allow the things to happen. We get so caught up in, in, in this world on measuring and keeping tally on things that we forget that he's all-knowing. He even knows the intents of the heart, and that means he knows ours. That means he knows when our initial reaction is to put up the dukes, and then we, we eventually succumb to the gospel once again. He gets all those things. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. You ever, um, when you were a kid, not that anyone would do this, your mom told you to clean the room and you were like, yes, ma'am. And she turned the corner and you were like. <laughs> How often though, do, as adults, is that happening on the inside of us? Right? We're putting on a smile. Someone walks away. You're like. Nothing's hidden from his eyes. I can find rest and peace in knowing that for myself and for those around me. You know, in, in raising our kids and trusting our spouses. You know, doing marriage counseling for years. You know, well, I have to check his phone. I had to, I had to hack his email. I had to. Why? Nothing's hidden from his eyes. 
God knows all things. God will expose it. All darkness has to be brought to the light. So, so he lied to you once. If he lied to you once, he found out. Don't you think God's going to come again? Same thing with your kids. We don't have to go around micromanaging every single second of every single day of every individual because we've tapped in to the King of Kings. We're tapped into the heavenlies, and we can trust and know that nothing's hidden from him. And as I walk in him, he's going to bring those things to light that need to be exposed. He knows the hearts of all, Acts 1.24. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you've chosen. I love this scripture just for the pure sake of, of finding staff. Find the, the, in the search for staff, even one of the board members um, from the transition was talking to us the other day, and, and, um, and he was just saying how he, from the very beginning, knew that it wasn't about who they wanted. It was about finding God's person that had the heart and the vision that God wanted for this body. And it's the same thing for us as we're searching for different staff and director positions and maneuvering things around. We don't have this agenda like, oh, my God, this person matches this and this person matches that and, you know, all these things. Because all we have to do is tap into the heart of God because he knows the heart of me and he knows the things that are to come. And all I do is begin to walk in it. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you're interested. Okay, well, let's talk. Okay, well, we'll see what God says. Dur, dur. Oh, you're interested too? Okay, well, let's talk. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, let's pray. We'll see what God says. And as you keep walking through the doors, what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to bring enlightenment. He begins to open our eyes to the understanding of their hearts to begin to match them to God's heart. Are you following what I'm saying? We just have to trust in God. Do something. I love this quote. This is one of my favorite quotes. I use it all the time. There's no one who perplexes Jesus. Say no one. No one perplexes Jesus. Look, as we keep growing and God keeps moving, it's awesome. But we, we're going to get people, millionaires and homeless, walking in these doors. And they're going to open their mouth some days and you're going to look and say, I don't know what to do with you. This is a mess. Remember that statement, no one perplexes Christ. Not one perplexes him. And if we know him, they don't have to perplex us. The situation doesn't have to perplex us. No thought or action is unintelligible to him. He knows its origin and end. The most convoluted psychotic and the most abstruse genius are open and laid bare to his understanding. He understands every motion of every mind, everything. So I can find rest and comfort dealing with people that blow me away, situations that blow me away because nothing is too serious for him. Nothing is crazy for him. Everything makes sense. He gets why it started, and he knows where it's going to stop. All I need to do is tap in to the King of Kings. He knows all of us as we are today and what we think we will, what we will think and what we'll do tomorrow. I love that statement. He knows everything about us today and what we're even going to think and do tomorrow. You see, we look too much at today and the natural and stop seeing who he wants to take us to be. When I first got called to pastor, it took me six weeks to tell my pastor over me. And she was like, yeah, you didn't know that already? But I was so 
consumed and worked up over who I was that day that I couldn't see in the future for who he was creating me to be. It's so, so we've got to take, when God speaks something to us, when God speaks that I want to use you in unusual ways, I want, to, I want you to be a mouthpiece for me. I'm going to use you um, to speak to other women. I'm going to use you on the stage. I'm going to use you in this or that. Look, you may be, need to be used on the stage and, and you're going to be part of worship, but you can't carry a tune to save your life because you've never been taught. But you show up at the next vocal practice and say, hey, I'm willing to learn. And you're willing to learn without a microphone in your hand. And you're willing to, to do the practices and come in and do all the stuff. Those, God sees where he's taking you, not just where you are today. And so as you, you know, we walked in and we said, hey, Grace, these are your skills. But guess what? Now you're going to be a real worship pastor. I don't want you to get up there and just lead. I don't want you to get up there and just sing. I want you to take people into the presence of God, woman. I believe the hand of God is on your life, and you're going to usher people into the throne room of God. You're going to begin to prophesy out in the middle of worship, and you're going to begin to take people to places none of us have ever imagined before. And she just said, okay. But she had to go home and get into the quiet place, into the secret place with God himself. And who do you say I am, oh God? Who do you say I am? Because if you say it, I'll go. If you, and I will, every week we'd have a conversation. I'd come in, and I'd forget about the conversation because I think I'll see it in six months or a year. And that Sunday, you'd watch her walk over. And take a step over into eternity. Take a step over deeper into glory. And all of a sudden, here comes the church. Following right on her foottails. I'm hungry. I want more. He sees where he's taking you and I. John 18, 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things which you would come upon him, went forward and said, Whom are you seeking? John 6, 64. But there are some of you who don't believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. You know, I love and find comfort in knowing that Jesus knew before he chose Judas that Judas would betray him, but he still chose him. So many times people in ministry, even in leadership, lay leadership in the church, get hurt and don't do ministry again. Because that person, people just evil. Well, don't, Jesus knows that. He knew Jesus, Judas would put him up on that cross. That he would give him the kiss in the garden. And he would end up on the cross as a result. But he still did it. God will put people that push your buttons. Especially in the body of Christ. Because we have expectations of church that we don't have of the world. We expect the world to spit on us, right? But God puts people, sometimes even in the church, to push our buttons the wrong way to produce more of his character in us. He knows what's going to happen. He's got it all. John 13, 19 says, Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Sometimes he'll tell you stuff for the future just so you're reminded of who he is. He knows all things. I love this too. Jesus, the Son of God, knows God perfectly. We can get confused on the Godhead of Father God, of Jesus the Son, and of Holy Spirit. We can get confused on the three person, Trinity. But Christ doesn't. 
Matthew 11:27 says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son reveals. Therefore, let us bow down and worship Jesus Christ. Even if we are impressed with the scholarship of man and the achievements of scientific knowledge, let us not play the fool by trumpeting the wonder of these tiny chirps. Tiny chirps. All the knowledge of man is tiny chirps while ignoring the grand thunderclap of Christ's omniscience. Christ alone is worthy of our highest admiration. Jesus alone is worthy of our trust. He can show us the Father. He can give us irresistible wisdom. He can see how to make all things work together for our good. Not one of his judgments about anything is ever mistaken. He teaches the ways of God with infallible truthfulness. Trust him. When you don't know, just trust him. When you just want to give up, choose to trust him. You know, I was thinking about Mandy today. I'm just going to, can I pick on you? You know, and I'm just going to be quite blunt with it because I've, Mandy said, okay. I know. When, I know. When we came, when we even the first time we came, one of the things that Mandy and Rich said was, "I got to get out of children's for a while." She needed out. She'd spent over a year here, day in and day out, sacrificing family time, sacrificing, sacrificing. Or you know, how many of you know it's true? Home life suffers, and she just needed a break. She needed to reprioritize life. So that was one of the first things we knew we were going to take care of. However. When you get on site, even though you know that's what God wants for you, you don't want to give it up. She never fought it. She knew it was it. She trusted in him. But it's like, man, this hurts. And the awesome thing is she had a choice. She could have been mad at us. She could have been mad at the board for the, the past year. She could have been mad at Rich. She could have been mad at herself. Bottom line is many people in that situation just get mad. Because ministry burnt me out, and you don't know what I do, and now you're not grateful. And, oh, what? But for whatever reason, she knew it was God. She knew that she knew that we were God's appointed pastors for this appointed time. She knew that we were do, doing and following what her and her husband had asked, what Christ had spoken to us. And so regardless of whether she really liked it or it felt good, come on, because you nurture those kids. You just, you're with them, and then all of a sudden, somebody else is there. Come on. But she trusted him beyond herself. And in that process, she was able to step beyond the veil. In that process of, of, of spending herself for the gospel and finding herself in a place of brokenness and confusion for a little while, all of a sudden found herself before the king of kings in a place of clarity and a place of freedom and a place of peace that has brought her into a new season of knowing him more and being a totally different woman than I met last year. Absolutely different. Why? Because when push came to shove and things didn't make sense, she still trusted in him whom she believed. Most, most Christians I'm going to look at the natural. Find someone dependent on because I'm just hurting. 
I'm confused. There's something happening in me, but the reality of it was nobody did anything wrong. Not even that whole season of spending herself for Christ. It was Christ himself who set it up and designed it exactly how it was played out to get her into a place to do something new. We have to trust him when things don't make sense. Amen? It wasn't that bad, huh? We have to admire him. If you can't see Christ, please pray. I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up, oh God. I want to see the beauty of your sanctuary. I want to be able to look at you and I want to be able to admire who you are. I want to be able to have a glimpse of your majesty and your wonder and be able to say with the psalmist, come on, we admire him and we follow him. What's a disciple? The definition of a disciple is a disciplined learner. Most people will tell you, I want to be discipled by you. And you say, sure, sure, come along. And then all of a sudden you like attack someone and they say, oh, sweetheart, we don't even know why they were doing what we do. Maybe next time we could say, why well, don't want you telling me what to do? I know what I'm doing and they walk away. You don't need to disciple me. Right? Because people don't want to be corrected. But disciple, a follower of Christ, is a disciplined learner. Meaning that as I follow Christ, and I say, and he says, ooh, Heather, you don't know what they went through today. I'm not going to get mad at Jesus because I'm just trying to teach them. Don't you know? This is my position. I have a right to tell them. No, no, baby. No, no. We're going we're gonna to lead as servants. To follow Christ is to be a disciplined learner of him. Discipline, choosing when it gets rough, I'm still going to have my face like the flint, looking upon Christ and following him all the days of my life. For in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm going to close with this for the sake of time. Isn't this a great study? I love this. When push comes to shove and we don't get, or in him, in him, for in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Grace, y'all can come on up. When you have a traumatic situation happen in your life, when, when you don't get it, find Christ. You know, in counseling people all day long, they, I hate my husband. He's the worst person in the world. And they just go on and on and on. You're giving them counsel, and you're trying to get them to that place of just seeing something good in them. And then finally I have to say, you know what? Let's throw our hands up in the airs about your husband. I have no idea. But one thing I do know is Christ. One thing I do know is Christ's good for your life. So, hey, let's fall in love with Jesus together. Let's fall in love with you. When, you don't, when we don't understand the situation we're in and we have zero answers as we pursue Christ for seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Why? Because in Christ are hidden all the wisdom and all the riches. When, when, when we found ourselves going for a regular checkup with Zoe, and next thing you know, I'm hooked up to all these machines, and they're like, oh, she's not getting oxygen. She's going to be brain dead. Oh, my goodness. All these things are happening, and I'm like, I've trained for the marathon of birth. I'm doing it natural. What are you talking about? You're going to cut me open and take her out. I was angry. 
The doctor said, I'll give you a little bit of time. I looked at Zach and I said, I am not giving birth mad at my daughter. I mean, I was angry at her because why? What's going on that you can't handle this, sister? Don't you know mama's trained? So Zach, we can't do, Zach. And he just came and he knew. He just came and sat on the bed with me, put his arm around me. And we just began to cry out to Christ. And all, all that anger, and I'm telling you, I was mad. Don't cut me. I, don't cut me. All of a sudden, Christ walks in the room. And I began to understand the, 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 the seriousness of the nature of it. And that it was God's will, it was his handiwork that allowed us to figure this out. That allowed me not to go into labor on my own. If I'd have gone into labor on my own, y'all get how stubborn I am. I wasn't going to the hospital till I knew that I knew I was around seven, eight centimeters. Because ain't nobody was doing nothing to me I didn't want to be done. She would have had brain damage or died. And as he began to reveal his handiwork and his hand on the situation, perfect peace. I said, can you cut me now? Just cut me now. Oh, it's going to be at such and such time. No, 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 just cut me now. Why? Because in him are hidden all wisdom and treasures. And in the middle of our situation, as we seek Christ, as we find him, he'll begin to give us all that we need for that situation. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for who you are. Jesus, would you draw each one of us closer tonight? Would you give each one of us a greater glimpse of your beauty, of your knowledge, of your wisdom, of your grace, of your loving kindness, of your loving kindness? Draw us after you. Draw us after you that will run all the days of our lives. We're going to enter into a time of worship, and I just want to invite you to the altars. I want to invite you to a place where, where you forget about everything else happening, and you get a glimpse of Christ himself. You get a glimpse behind the veil. You get a glimpse in the throne room that you too might be transformed by seeing him once again. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father. It's so hard.